Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dream it. We bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello and welcome to this week's Driven Chat podcast. My name is John Markar. My name is Rachel Downey. Almost like we rehearsed that. <laughs> and we're bringing you quite a special episode of the Driven Chat podcast this week because this week we are bringing you our full, uncut, as heard on Talk Sport interviews with Valtteri Bottas and Zhao Guan Yu. We did this for last week's radio show. If you're listening to this in real time and you are a consumer of all things Driven Chat, not only are you our favourite people in the world, but also you will have heard parts of these interviews on our radio show on TalkSport 2. But this, being the podcast, means that we can give you the full, unedited, full clips from start to finish, which is a slightly longer conversation, including Andy Jay talking to Valtteri, and then a slightly longer conversation with myself and Rachel talking to <laughs> Joe Guan Yu, which is all very exciting. And we actually did it in person, which was good, wasn't it, Rach? Oh, it was so good. And it's an absolute luxury. Um, I, I, I think for me especially, when I interview a driver, you never get the amount of time that we've got. And it's mm. lovely um, to not ask generic questions and to just get to know them. It was... Yeah, a delight. It was a delight. And it's a bit of an unusual format because even on the day that we recorded it, Andy, bless his cotton socks, actually had COVID. And at the time that we're recording this now, he still does have COVID. So he's been recording everything remotely from home. So the interview that you're going to hear with Valtteri Bottas and Andy was done with Bottas being in the same space as us, but talking (laughs) to Andy via a FaceTime link. Uh, So the audio for that reason you'll hear, it's slightly different. With the uh, Zhou Guan Yu chat, we did that in person. So that was Rachel and I talking to Zhou uh, together. So that sounds slightly different. But yeah, just in case you're wondering why there's a slight difference in the audio outputs, that's the only reason. Um, but we needed to divide it up in that time because we did only have the drivers for a limited time, meaning that we needed to split the team. So Andy took Valtteri, Rachel and I took Zhao. Mm. And then, of course, a few days after we recorded the interview with Zhao, what happens? He goes and puts his yeah. car on his roof. Yeah. Pretty amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. And not to ruin anything, but he kind of touched on his family members being worried mm. about him racing. And it's all just, yeah, it was, yeah, quite a coincidence. But lovely guy. Such a sweet, sweet guy. Yeah, completely and utterly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it made it all that more kind of 
heart wrenching, didn't Pointed, it? When the yeah. accident happened, it was like, oh no, I've just we've just spoken to him. Yes, oh my god. Yeah. But yeah, luckily, all is okay. All is good. All credit to the safety regulations in F1 and that mm. Halo system. Say what you like. If there's anyone in the world now that's still complaining about Halo, then you're a fool. That's a big what old I say. fool. A big Get old out fool. of town. Uh, before we dive into the uh, the two conversations you're going to hear this week, can I just say a massive thank you for the amount of feedback that we've received so far for the Goodwood Festival of Speed podcast that we did last week. It was a feat, um, a feat <laughs> of a recording, an absolute feat of an edit, a feat of production um, from everybody involved. It was a huge one. So the fact that people have enjoyed it and the feedback that we've received has just been great, including a number of people that I bumped into at the Supercar Driver secret meet that I attended earlier this week, um, or, or last week, I should say, uh, where people actually came up and said hi and they were talking about the episode and talking about the fact that they listened to the podcast. That, I, I kid you not, I know I've said it before and I will continue to say it again, it is the best feeling in the world when somebody goes out of their way to walk up and just go, hello, we don't know each other, but I think your podcast is great. Yeah, It is so good. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I wish I could remember everyone's name because I always ask, but I know there was a Ben that came over and said hi. Hi, Ben. Who works for Romans, and you came and said hi, and it was just wonderful. There were a couple of other guys on the day that came up and said hi, uh, including people at Goodwood as well. Um, a girl in the media centre, and again, I didn't get your name, but you came over and said hi, and you, you said lovely things about the podcast, and I, I mean it. It is such a wonderful thing. So thank you, firstly, for that. Thank you so much for the feedback. If anyone's feeling especially generous and they want to leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, that obviously does a wonderful thing for us as well. So, yeah, if you're feeling compelled to do that, then uh, then please do. Uh, but otherwise, we will continue bringing you what we bring you and in the hope that you will continue enjoying it. Um, I want to say a huge thanks again to everyone that made that Goodwood Festival of Speed podcast happen. Uh, none other, I forgot to name check her in last week's podcast, which was Amber, our producer, Amber Young, who's Aww. conveniently stood about She's a metre so from me yep. as we're recording this. Um, Amber, you were an absolute rock on that day, and I couldn't have done that recording without you, so thank mm. you very much. I say that to you in person. <laughs> you, can, you can hear Amber in the background, a voice that you never usually hear. Um, so, yes, anyway, enough drivel about uh, being grateful and happy and wonderful about our podcast. Let's dive in firstly with Andy J talking to Valtteri Bottas. And then uh, once that's done, it will be Rachel and I diving into the interview with Joe Guan Yu. We'll leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to bringing you more content, more of the same next week. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. I am in the company of the magician himself, the brilliant Valtteri Bottas. Valtteri, how are you doing? I'm so sorry that I'm not there in person. I've got COVID. I feel terrible. How are you doing? Sorry to hear that. Hope you get better, better soon and hopefully it's not too bad. Um, but thanks for asking. I'm good. I travelled uh, just from, from Finland and it's been a busy day at the track. You know, preparations for the, for the weekend ahead and uh, all the usual team meetings and, and media. But um, yeah, I'm good. Have you been asked the same question countless times today? Because there's all, I mean, it's always the case with Formula, wasn't it? There's always a topical story kicking around and we need everyone's opinion. Have you had loads of it so far? It's every Thursday before the race weekend. It's a lot of same questions. Yes, that, that's usual. But you kind of get into this, this mode that uh, you just punch through it. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to have to ask you some of the same ones. But can I start off, Valtteri, by asking you about a certain photograph that you gave? In fact, a completely naked photograph of yourself to Lewis Hamilton, <laughs> which is <laughs> one of my favourite things ever. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, you know, this photo came up. I was in, in Aspen between uh, some of the US races and uh, with my friend, uh, decided to go for a swim and as as usual as a, as a fan it's pretty normal to be naked especially if you go to sauna or swimming uh, so I decided to take a dip on the river and then just the evening I was looking at the photos and one to me looked like a pretty artistic photo like actually almost like a piece of art you know <laughs> and then also my girlfriend was like that's actually a really good picture so then we came up with this idea to well I just posted it on, on Instagram I didn't put any comments just posted it and then it kind of exploded and uh, we decided that we could do something for charity. So we sold prints of it for 24 hours. And in the 24 hours, we sold over 5,000 prints of my bum. And uh, then, yeah, the last picture I, I had left, um, I gave it to Lewis framed. 
because he had said in one interview that he liked the photo, so then I thought he deserved one. <laughs> I wish you'd captioned it, does my bum look big in this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That would have taken new heights. I mean, Valtteri, did you give it to him, and I'm asking this delicately, did you give Lewis the naked photograph of yourself in the hope that he would then repay the favour and, and give you a nude of him? <laughs> I didn't ask for that, no. No, I, no, no, no returns. It was just a nice gesture from, from a friend. That is, you know he's going to do it, though. You know you'll get one eventually. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I bet it doesn't go on social media, though. It'll just go privately to you, and it's, it's going to be lots of fun. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah happy days. Uh, Valtteri, let's talk. First up, let's get the Silverstone stuff out of the way, because it is, it's a special track. I know you love it. This time last year, it was the first time that the crowds were back in F1 post-pandemic. That kind of gave it an even bigger edge, didn't it? How do you feel about this place? It's, it's a unique place because it's obviously there's so much history about it in, in, in motorsports, in, in Formula 1. And then another thing is the atmosphere. It's, you know, Britain is definitely a motorsport country and people love cars and, and Formula 1. And yeah, you can already today start to feel, even though it was raining a bit, that you know the atmosphere starts to build up, and I'm sure tomorrow already is going to be epic. So the energy uh, at the track is is something really unique, but also what makes it even nicer for the drivers that uh, the track itself, the layout is really cool. Like there's so many high speed corners, and it's really nice to drive and good for racing. So that makes it um, just a really really good Grand Prix. Do you find yourself pinching yourself, Valtteri? Because it's, if, if you don't mind me saying delicately, you don't come from a, a family of great racers. You know, you, yeah, I believe your, your father was an undertaker and, and your mother, sorry, the other way around, isn't it? Your, your mother was the undertaker and your father works in the cleaning industry. So it, it's, it's quite new to, to the family that, that someone would be so brilliant behind the wheel. So do you find yourself kind of going, this is nuts. This, I'm, what am I doing with my life? This is incredible. Absolutely, it it is crazy. Like I, I definitely always try to remind myself like where I came from, how it all started, and it is crazy. Like uh, being able to really fulfill a young kid's dream, you know, every single day is something something pretty pretty amazing. And yeah, also you know my parents obviously they're so so proud, and uh, so yeah, absolutely living the dream, and at the same time trying to make most out of it. Because life definitely goes goes quickly, and you need to live it, not to just exist. Yes, absolutely. Although it is a sport that does take its toll. I mean, not just physically. We know about the amount of training you guys have to do, and the diets, and the restrictions around your lifestyle. But of course, mentally. I mean, I don't know if you were aware, but uh, just the other day, there was quite a big, massive headline, in fact, on on the national newspapers with Lando Norris talking about how on social media he gets death threats and how he's had quite a battle with, with mental health. Now, this is something that you've been quite open about yourself. I believe you, you described yourself a couple of years back as the ghost of a guy. Is that because of the pressure, the stress? How, how are you doing? It's, um, yeah, this sport can be, can be really, really brutal. And, you know, even though to outside it, it might look like it's only like living the, the high life and, you know, driving fast cars, but actually, you know, it's an elite sport that people are pushing themselves to the limit. Um, I think also the um, kind of attention this this sport gathers, like the, there's so much following. Um, everyone wants the piece of you in a way, and it's you need to kind of learn to learn to live with it. And I, I made a mistake in my early years in Formula One that my life was 24/7 about F1, and it was like too serious. And then I kind of, at very early st- stage of my career, almost burned out. But luckily, could avoid anything anything bad happening. But yeah, and I've had my ups and downs in the in the career, and there is a lot of pressure in this sport. Um, but I feel like the only only way, you know, sadly, is you need to learn to live with it in, in a way and not to, you know, not to get distracted by things. And it's so important to, you know, have the right attitude to the social media platforms as well. Like, example, nowadays, I, I only do posting. I share stuff that I like to share to give something to the followers and, and show a bit of my lifestyle. But I post and that's it. I, I don't read anything anymore uh, because there's always 
negativity and uh, there's always people for some reason who wants to drag you down so if you're really into you know that type of per if you're that type of person who takes offense uh, you know if you take it personally it can be really really tough yes it's, it's one of those things that it's especially when you started out that wasn't part of the sport that wasn't it didn't come hand in hand did it you didn't go oh well i'm going to be a hugely successful racing driver and i'll also have to deal with all these people who i'll never meet online saying rubbish about me that's just not in the job description originally is it <laughs> no not quite you know and you know in the end you know people should realize that everyone we as well you know we're just normal human beings and we have feelings as well so it's it's just us trying to do the best we can and obviously there's always some extreme fans of maybe other drivers or teams who are then you know trying to push you down but yeah uh, like i said it's it's so much about your attitude to the comments and to the to the outside world do you know it's jealousy valtteri it's jealousy about three things firstly when you get to my age i'm older than you when you get to my age you meet everyone everyone says they can drive so therefore everyone assumes they can drive fast on a racetrack the reality is almost nobody can so they're jealous of that because they think you're doing a sport they could be good at right then you've got jealousy because there's this perception that you're all multi-millionaires which happens to be true but that doesn't make you rich per se because there's much more depth to that word isn't there and then of course there's jealousy just because they want to be you because your lifestyle looks amazing private jets and sexy ladies <laughs> yeah you know Probably. I mean, it's, it's, it's a sport um, that is quite difficult to relate to in a way, you know, for sure. Yes, every day, yeah, you know, anyone can think they could drive faster, but, you know, we've done this since a young kid and, you know, our life job is to do the perfect lap after one and after another. And in the end, it's about fine details. But yeah, I get the jealousy part, you know, that's, I think that's, you know, quite natural in, in human beings but um yeah it's i try to not think about those things too much you know i just try to be the best myself i can and and like i said live the best life i can and um, try to be happy uh, try to do things that makes me happy can i can i tell you i'm going to share something with you valtteri i believe that you are demonstrating every day that you're living your best life in one very special way and that is a lot of your social posts are about your incredible cycling. You seem to be cycling like pretty much every spare second you get. However, the most exciting thing about that is your post-cycle tradition, which is, if you don't mind me sharing this with the listeners, the minute you get off the bike, you neck a pint of beer. And that, for me, you are winning at life, my friend. That's incredible. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the small things in life that can make, make you so happy is after a tough bike ride, yeah, you have one big cold one. It's, you know, simple things. It makes makes a man happy. I love it. My, I box a little bit, and the guys I box with, they swear that it's better to neck a pint after you've been training than to just do nothing, like to have a water or whatever. So there might be some method to your madness as well. It works for me, so um, I would recommend to try it. But, uh, you know, it can also be alcohol-free beer, so it's your choice. Okay, okay. This is so much better advice than the people that tell me I need to be taking cold showers and jumping in freezing baths. Have a pint after exercise. That's words of wisdom. Recommended by Valtteri. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting it on a T-shirt every time I go to the bar. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's what we're doing. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, Valtteri, let, let's talk about a couple of the themes that have come up. I, I've been told that you're okay with discussing this, and so we won't dwell on it too much. But there was obviously the comments that surfaced this week from... Nelson PK using the most inappropriate term I think that's that's still in existence with regards to Lewis Hamilton. Uh, lots of people have been quick to stamp it out. There was a sort of half half apology from him that I don't think anyone has been particularly impressed with. Can I get your reaction to it without trying to feed anything to you? Uh, I think it's a show again. You know, we, we there's still um, education needed. In, in a way and you know the world we live in nowadays you know there's no space for any racism and I think what is great with this sport that we actually have quite a big reach and we can talk about things uh, which need to be talked about um, and hopefully we can educate people and and spread you know the right more open-minded um, mindset into into life 
um, because in the end, you know, we're more equal. And sometimes I find it crazy that, you know, there's still all these kind of issues in the world that we are facing, you know, whether it's about equality, racism, wars, stuff like that. Sometimes it, it doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, all we can do is try to do our part and try to support people who need support. I'm not quite sure what was in the water this week, Valtteri, but it feels like the old guard of F1 kind of got it a bit wrong because the other ridiculous story that came out was Bernie, Bernie Eccleston, saying that he'd throw himself in front of a bullet to save Vladimir Putin. I mean, can I, can I use the word moron? Would you, would you approve of that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything on that. You know, it's, um, it is strange. But what's happening, but uh, I'll leave it there. Yeah, fair enough. I'm not trying to catch you out or get a headline. I just, it's one of these things that I'd be crazy if I didn't ask you. Uh, I've got to talk to you about one thing that I do find fascinating, though, and that is, I need to know if you still have this title. Whenever I have to fill out a form online or wherever, it's Mr. Doctor and so on and so forth. Do you tick Lance Corporal? (laughs) No, no, I didn't. No, I don't. There's never quite... I can't remember there's been a choice for that. <laughs> like, yeah, different things, but no, I haven't. But I haven't you, seen an option. Are you still allowed to use it, though? Because technically, you are, you did, vol- you, well, it was involuntary, wasn't it? You did mandatory military service, and you got to, I mean, that's pretty impressive to be Lance Corporal inside of a year. Uh, yes, I, I think there was only a few of us that, uh, from that group of, I think, like 80 people got that, so, yeah. Apparently did some things right and uh, had a good good attitude. Um, but yes, so at the moment I'm still yeah I'm in reserve. So obviously really hopeful that things will stay stable in in Finland. Um, otherwise it would mean I would need to go to another kind of job. So. Yes, which would, I mean that would be quite a challenge, wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't be ideal. Let's put it that way. Are you the most recognizable man in Finland? Is it fair to say you are probably Finland's most famous person? I don't know, to be honest. Um, I have no idea. It's okay to say yes. It, it'll be all right. You, yeah, no one... I don't know. I don't know if I'm... Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't really care. So. No, that's fine. But it's, it's almost like if you did have to serve, it, it's kind of like the Elvis thing, isn't it? You know, when he was called up, everyone knew who he was. So it just made it very difficult. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But of course I would be there, but that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fair play to you for that. That's um, that's really impressive. And nonetheless, you learned a lot of survival skills. Let's let's hope you don't get called up. That would be great. But what sort of things did you learn during the military that, that you've been able to apply in real life now? Because I see you on social media putting posts of you being able to rock up a pizza oven in half a second and get a fire on the go with just probably your fingernails and a bit of flint. you got you got the skills. <laughs> I think it's basic skills of a Finnish person. You know, we, we like all the forest stuff and camping things and simple things. But, you know, for sure in, in the military service, I think actually one big thing what I learned was the, was the teamwork. You know, when you need to really figure things out as a, as a team. Um, but also you learn to appreciate the small things in life, like, um, you know, a warm warm um, room with a roof and, and a bed um, sometimes after like a forest camp it was actually quite quite nice and I feel like for many people it's uh, it's a place that makes you from a boy to a man in a, in a way because we do some pretty pretty tough things and it's not, not always fun but afterwards you almost kind of laugh about it and it was kind of exciting but at that time it wasn't maybe that fun sometimes Right. But there's still skills that you're now using and, and they're still in circulation for you. So that, that's pretty great. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely survive in the forest. So that's good. That, that's kind of cool. <laughs> there's not many other drivers that could say that. You know, most of them would <laughs> need a sleeping bag at the very least and, and maybe a personal assistant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about racing in a sec, I promise. But I, I have to cup, kind of chat to you about a couple of other random things. So the first one is how much coffee do you drink every day? Because it's, it seems like a, a bucket load. <laughs> it's actually not that much like uh, I would say on average maybe five coffees so <laughs> two or three in the morning and then one or two later on uh, but they are quite often double shots so it's maybe like ten shots okay that seems like quite a lot Valtteri that's that's a fair amount of caffeine <laughs> I've been caffeinating myself since I was maybe 12 years old something so <laughs> it's 
I've got the tolerance. Are you really wired when you're racing? Do you, do you, do you kind of go for a double just before the race? Normally, just before the race, I go for a single. I, I feel like double on top of the adrenaline and, and the excitement, um, it can push you over the line, let's say. All right, fair enough. Let's talk about the new team. You're with Alfa Romeo. If you don't mind me saying, you seem incredibly happy. Are you in a really good place with it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely wouldn't want to be in any other place at, at the moment. I'm really enjoying the team spirit in, and this kind of new new chapter and uh, new challenge in my, my career and new project in a, in a way, trying to bring this team closer to the top. And yeah, things are... Things are really good and I'm really motivated and feel like I'm driving well and um, also kind of my life at the moment, like between the track and outside the track is in, in a really nice balance. That's great. I mean, the points are certainly flowing for you right now. Realistically, how much can you get out of that car? Because it is obviously different to what you've been in for the previous five seasons. It is different, but also the, the, the regulations this year, they're quite different, so... Any car, any way, is different, but it does handle differently. You know, it does. It has different engine as well to what I'm used to. So everything is kind of new, but that's kind of cool. And actually, it fits me quite well. And I've been able to set up the car quite nicely, also to my my driving style. What's the realistic target for yourself? I think this year, realistically, being seventh in the drivers' standings and as a team. I would love to see us being fourth this year is a, is a good target. But then the years after, we need to definitely aim higher. You're kind of on track then. I mean, you know, you kind yeah, of... It's, it's close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Hitting the targets you, you set yourself. I love it. I hope you don't mind me saying, but when you left Mercedes, you had a lovely moment with Toto where you were filling in your results in a, on your helmet about how many race wins you'd had and how many fastest laps and so on. And it was a very tender moment between the two of you. And Toto said you're going on a sabbatical to Alfa Romeo, almost implying that the door was still open. Are you slamming it shut or is, it, or is there always, I mean, it's, it's F1, isn't it? People, it's the merry-go-round, I guess, that anything can happen. But would you go back? It's, um, I think Toto meant like, um, you know, once you've been part of the Mercedes family, that you're always going to be part of it. Um, and... Uh, you know, he helped me a lot in, in during my career. So in a way, like, yeah, I'm going elsewhere, but really not not going anywhere. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's um, but at the moment, like, would I go back? Um, no, because I, I absolutely wouldn't be in any, any other place than I'm at the moment. I'm really enjoying it, and this is now something that I needed for my career to happen right now. Is something new and different, and different atmosphere. You know, five years in one team was was enough at that, that time, and uh, now I'm I'm loving it with this this new challenge. It's honestly, it's really really good to see the buzz around you. You are giving out excitement and joy. Are you feeling that? Because it's certainly how it's coming across. I feel yeah. There's been many people like quite excited about uh, the results of Alfa Romeo and and myself, and yeah, we. I think we've surprised quite quite many people, like how well we've been doing doing actually, and how many points we've got and everything. And I feel really really supported. Like, yeah, most races I see many fans with uh, with this kind of cap, and that's kind of cool. Is it nice to be the front man as well? Because of course you were. I don't want to call it second fiddle, but you were supporting Lewis Hamilton for a lot. You often had to have that call while you were doing really well in the race, let him through, which must have been infuriating. Is it nice to be the number one? It's For me, it's the perfect timing for that. And it's a new first time I'm the more experienced driver in, in, the, in the team and to have more authority and um, more say on things, it's... It's really motivating and refreshing. So, um, and in the end, it's already my 10th season in, in Formula 1 as, as a driver, so definitely ready for it. And I'm, I'm really comfortable with the role. It's really amazing. I mean, when you think about that, you're only 31. 10 seasons already. That's ridiculous. 32. 
32, my bad. Yeah. Uh, you, you could have one back if you like. There you go. The, beer, <laughs> the beer's affected me. 30, still, 32 <laughs> is nothing to be 10 seasons in. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, tell me about Drive to Survive, the Netflix show. Do you watch it? Are you a fan of it? It's, it's quite a curious thing, isn't it? It's, um, I haven't seen much. I have to say that I have seen, um, like, when it was, before it was published, I've seen the episode of, that I was involved last year and also this year. Okay. Uh, that's all what I've kind of seen. And from what I can tell is that Netflix, they tend to just film everything they can, take all the content they can. And then at the end of the year or during the winter, they kind of, create a story and put things together and some things might be pretty accurate and some things not so it's um but i still think the series as a whole is, is really good for the for the following of the sport especially in the u.s it has grown massively thanks to netflix yeah um like sometimes if i'm somewhere in the u.s I, i've had people uh, hey man you're the you're the you're from Net- netflix <laughs> and I'm like, yeah yeah i'm the netflix actor you know <laughs> Oh, that'd be, it'd be brilliant if it was just acting. <laughs> yeah, be, exactly. Yeah. That'd yeah. be amazing. You've planned every race of like wrestling. If Formula One was wrestling, how incredible would that be? Every yeah. gosh, the amount you'd have to rehearse. Rehearsing the accidents would be a little bit challenging, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, slightly. Yeah. Yeah, we need we need a better camera angle on this one, guys. Let's do it again. No, you're all right. I've got whiplash. Thanks very much. Um, look, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got quite a fun one for you that I think you've been kind of prepped on, which we're going to talk about in a second. But before I do that, because the TalkSport audience, of course, we are back in the Brits, as you'd expect. So there's always a fascination with various different British drivers. But the main one, of course, being Lewis, who you worked alongside very closely and from what I can gather, were friends with for a good five years. What is the man like, and and can he get another world title? In your opinion, he's actually a nice guy. He's um, like I know him really well. We spent a lot of time together, obviously, in the last five years, and we still sometimes travel together to some of the races. And yeah, he's really hardworking. Uh, he takes Formula One very seriously, and. Yeah, he's experienced a lot in, in his life, so I only have good things to say, honestly. Like, he's super talented. And just at this time, he's maybe have, had a bit of a rough start to the year, but I know him so well that he's, he's going to bounce back for sure. It's only a matter of time. And and yes, he can still win win titles. No, I have no doubt about that. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, because I know it's, you know, it's history and, and all the rest of it, but I'm a massive Lewis fan, and it's nice to know that He's as lovely as he seems, you know, because that's certainly the impression we get. Um, Valtteri, I've got to ask you this because I know that you're okay with it because I checked it in advance. We do this thing on the show sometimes called Dream Drives, and it's a bit of fun, really, where you can choose any car from any time in history, any road, and it could be as long as as short as you want, but crucially... You can have up to four celebrity passengers. These can be people that you admire. They can be fictional characters. They can be ladies you've had a crush on who are famous. The only thing is they have to be famous. You can't tell us, you know, the girl you were in school with and had a, you know, had a thing with in sixth grade or whatever. It's, it's, it's got to be people we know. So uh, that's, that, you can answer that how you like. Who will be joining you on your journey? Who are your celebrities? What do you drive and where are you driving? Well, that's a question. Um... The car would be probably it would be well that doesn't have enough seats that car I was thinking about the Alfa Romeo Alfetta 159 racing car but it's only got one seat yeah it's a bit lonely yeah Um, otherwise it would be I'd, I'd take my Alfa Romeo Stelvio. It has more seats. It has more space. Excellent. <laughs> and I would drive in in Finland. Um, around my hometown, there's those roads that are just meant to be driven fast. Um, so nice. So around Lahti area in, in Finland, on the countryside, like lakeside and stuff, it's, it's so nice. And the people would be 
Arnold Schwarzenegger. Amazing. Because In, he's as a as legend. as like young Arnie or current Arnie. No, I think he could be like dressed as the Terminator. Brilliant. Class, yeah. So classics, classic Arnie, Terminator Arnie. Brilliant. Yep. Yeah, and then I would have Leonardo DiCaprio, and he would be with his suit from The Wolf of Wall Street and with a cocktail glass. <laughs> Brilliant. And then it would be... probably Angelina Jolie. That is an excellent choice. I mean, that needs no yeah. explanation. But. That's because it... Excellent, yeah. And then it would be... probably the... Um, I would say... Daniel Greg, he's a pretty good actor and he's pretty good Bond. So. I like it. Was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Would you let him behind the wheel at all to see if he can actually do what he does yeah, in the absolutely. films? I'm would bad you? passenger, but still, yeah, I would definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's a very Hollywood feel. I was expecting you to kind of, I don't know, maybe put someone from the Offspring in, you know, just to make sure that your, your punk was kind of sorted. But you've gone for the actors. <laughs> yeah, I went for the for the actors. Nice, a nice scene. Is that because you are drawn to that yourself? Could you see yourself in the movies when you retire eventually? Not really, to be honest. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> no, I might rather be in the in the wilderness somewhere with a campfire. <laughs> what I mean, what's have you kind of started to think about the plan yet? Because thirty two is is nothing. You've got many years left in in Formula One. If you if you want them, I mean, everyone's different, aren't they? Some people. I mean, look at look at Nico. He disappeared. Uh, you know, once he'd uh, well, he was he was still a child, wasn't he? Nonetheless, people stick in it or they don't. Have you got a master plan? Are you thinking to yourself? Right, I'll get to let's say 35, 40, whatever you feel like, and then I'm sorry, just I'm disappear. actually losing, losing your sound. It's like cutting a lot. I couldn't really understand anything. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I think the connection just went crazy. Yeah, Don't now worry. it's better. Yeah, is it better now? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll ask that again. My apologies. When you choose to retire, be it 35, 45, 55, whatever you feel like, have you got something in your mind? I know there's coffee shops. I know you've got a gin and and all that kind of stuff. But are you thinking you might just literally disappear? I haven't really planned it that that much. Like I, I think it's for me it would be hard to disappear in a way because there's so many things that I'm already involved, like um, invest advice and being part of companies and um, an example, the, the gin project with my girlfriend. You know, you know I also would need to promote it and stuff. So I have no plans to like really properly disappear, but. One thing I can guarantee you won't see me on F1 paddock doing commentator work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that guy. So uh, such easy money, though, Valtteri. I mean, it's such an easy gig. You sure? Yeah, yeah I'm. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's like lots of um, still like dreams and plans. But um, you know, I, I take it year by year and try to keep following my passion. And like I said earlier do things that makes me happy you know that's important in life so um that's the goal you seem in a very good place i am absolutely Thank amazing you. amazing <laughs> tell me about the next two seasons what are we what are we going to see uh, is is there a few race wins on the horizon can you see yourself getting there next few seasons um for sure we need some podiums i think everyone in the team is already kind of dreaming about it and we need to work as hard as we can to make sure that it's not only a dream anymore, and that is possible. Um, and winning, never say never. It's Formula One, and now everyone is on the same budget. So whoever works the most efficiently in the next years um, is going to end up on the top. And uh, we try to do everything we can for that. So that's the beauty in, in F1 that you never know what the future lies ahead, and yeah, we'll, we'll find out. And it's exciting. I just want to wish you all the success, Valtteri. It is a genuine pleasure to spend this amount of time with you. And Thank I you really, really appreciate your company. Thank you so much for Thank taking you. the time, especially at the end of a long day. That's very cool of you. That's okay. My pleasure. <laughs> I would just have one last piece of advice for you. As an old, ill man, avoid COVID. It is not fun. I will, I will try my best. I've actually <laughs> been lucky. Maybe I still haven't had it ever. So, um, yeah, sorry to hear you're unwell, but hopefully it'll be fine. 
I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I just need a couple more lem sips and I'll be all right. But yeah, you've yeah. been a COVID ninja so far. You've stepped away from it. You lucky thing. I hope that continues for you because it, it hits you. <laughs> when you get it, you think, ah, oh, it's nothing. And then suddenly, boom. Oh, no, I feel dreadful. So Ouch, yeah. you have made uh, half an hour of my COVID experience much more pleasurable. So thank you very much for your company. I really appreciate it. That's nice to hear. Thank you. Amazing. Take care. Good luck this weekend. I hope it's brilliant, brilliantly successful. Thanks very much. Take care. Thank you. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One of the uh, first questions I wanted to ask you, is it true that when you were living in Sheffield, you called yourself Stephen? <laughs> it's not true. It's not oh, true. Please. It is true, but I don't call... Well, <laughs> don't want to bring that subject up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the name, because as Chinese people, we can choose our own English yeah. name, so we can be calling whatever you want. So, And so that was kind of the name my English teacher won junior school days. Okay. I liked it, but before I went to England, I realized everybody's calling that. Everyone, name, so. yeah. And the worst thing is that Stephen, but then people simplify your name, call you Steve. Steve, <laughs> yeah. Right, like, yeah. right, let's change. Well, I promise neither me or Rachel will call you Steve in this interview. We'll, oh, keep, right. we'll keep it to, to yeah. Joe. I don't know how you found this out, but yeah. <laughs> it's Rachel. She has mysterious ways of doing research on the internet. But home, England has been home for, for quite some time, hasn't it? Do you, yeah. do you think of yourself as. Do you think of England as home? I mean, it's always been my kind of second home. Like, mm. every time I obviously coming to England or where, wherever team I'm with in the junior category, I always have to face in the UK. So it, it felt very home for me because I, mm. I've been kind of, uh, obviously, the first few years, when I first time moved out from my homeland, Shanghai, it was difficult to adapting to, you know, the way different, uh, the way, like, people live. But uh, at the minute now, like, I'm... Fully, you know, into it, like uh, adapting well, and uh, feel like I'm warm. It's quite easy, you know, to be living here. And mm. uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been many years spending here, mm. and uh, yeah, I feel like Silverstone, for example, coming up this weekend. I always felt very special because mm. it's yeah. in junior category. Obviously, you don't get the Chinese Grand Prix, and mm. that's kind of the Grand Prix I always looking forward to. Yeah. So, what came first? Cause I know you loved cars when you're younger so what came first is it the love of cars or the love of motorsport the love of uh, cars i have to say okay that's always the first because uh yeah when i was a little kid like uh yeah, i think year four or five years old i always liked car toys you know mm. obviously i think all the boys likes that when they are kids but some of them maybe like other things mm. you know but uh, for me i always so passionate about that mm. and uh, even like when i was getting Older, I was always uh, loving, you know, having cars, just playing around on my sofa in my, in my house. And uh, yeah, then one day, obviously, I, I went to the go-kart track, indoor track, for the, mm. for the first time try. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the thing. It just, it was a huge kind of uh, interest into it. And uh, it was crazy. I just really loved to be just driving go-kart and mm. I was just going that on and on, on again and again. So it was, that's how pretty much everything started. Yeah. So you're celebrated as the first ever Chinese Formula One driver, which is amazing. And you share that great story about go-karting as a child. How popular is things like go-karting in China? Was there a, a moment where you thought this hobby, because I assume you realised at one point you were very good or somebody else realised you were very yeah. good. Was there any point there that 
somebody might have uttered to you, hey, this could be a route that you could end, you could potentially go down? Uh, to be fair, you know, for my side, obviously, uh, I really, for example, the Chinese motorsports of all, we are starting a lot behind compared to, for example, England. Uh -huh. It's obviously the how many people interest in this, maybe it's a little bit less in than other sports, for example, I don't know, ping pong, football, mm -hmm. basketball. But then, yeah, recent years, the popularity has been building up like massively. Yeah. And uh, it's more like not just the guys who are interested on cars, it's like global-wise, you know? Mm -hmm. You can be doing other jobs completely different, but they are interested to go to a track day. So that's quite nice to know. But uh, yeah, from my side, when I was young, it was kind of like I was pretty quick and uh, mm -hmm. first started with indoor track. I was like, I don't know, six, seven, seven eight years old. Mm -hmm. And I was quicker than the guys, the adults. Wow. And uh, that was kind of like the manager of that team, that go-kart track said, oh, you should go outdoor track. It's oh. the professional, you know, you get your own cards. You have your team racing in the Chinese championship, Shanghai championship. So that was kind of how I started everything. And then, yeah, all this journey has been like back home. I've always been like the youngest guy in the category and winning races. So that's pretty much get me going. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, nobody told me F1 could be the way, mm. but I knew, you know, if you like motorsports, you automatically know that mm. Formula 1 is the top. Would you say that was from, once you realised you were quite good, did you, did you have that in your mind as maybe one day, or did it come later? Yeah, it came reasonably early. I mean, I was watching the Grand Prix mm. in Shanghai, because the very first Grand Prix was 2004, first ever Chinese Grand Prix, yes. and uh, then so onwards. I was there every year, but then I started to realise that I want to be like them one day. So, like the guys, the Formula One driver, some of them I'm still racing now, Fernando Alonso, yeah. and yeah. I was like, yeah, I want to be like him one day. So that kind of like got into my mind. But then, yeah, I basically, I started the journey chasing for that dream, but I never know if I can do it. I think I had maybe 60%, 70%. I know that uh, it, it, it might not work, but wow. that 30% make me keep going. And is that why you came over here for like European racing? You thought that there's a, more of a chance of me making it in F1 if I race yeah. over here, F3, F2? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously UK, you have a lot of British drivers coming even in the old days or recently. And uh, it has one of the tough competition out there in Europe. And that's why you see a lot of people going to Europe to race. And for me, choosing UK, one of the reasons is, is that. And another reason is that obviously my team is actually based in Sheffield. Yeah. It's the Tonica team, strawberry racing, that's the name, because strawberry is a famous fruit from back there. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, they call the team like that. And uh, yeah, that's how I basically decided to live here. And mm. I feel like it was the right way and the mm. correct way because uh, the difference on, in terms of level is much higher here. It really have to boost me to pushing harder yeah. and uh, to be get up to the speed with all the front runners in, in here. So yeah, the guys are racing back in the days. I'm still racing now, so it's pretty cool. Great. And what was the reaction from your family back home once they realised that this was your dream, this is what you were hoping to do, you wanted to move to the UK to pursue it? Was there support? Was there some apprehension? Uh, I mean, there's obviously a bit of both, mm -hmm. because, like, obviously my mum and dad, they are always, you know, we don't know what's coming, but uh, they want to give me have a go. But yeah. obviously I still was doing my study in UK, so I don't, you know, in case I don't get to, okay. and I, I lost, I have something else to do, but then, yeah, that was the first thing, but then you have my, you know, grandparents, they are thinking it's very dangerous, motorsports, of course, yeah. and want me, you know, having to do it as an interest is pretty okay, a hobby, but professionals, they are worried, but it's the way we have to just calm them down, make them less worried, because, yeah, obviously, they don't like to see their kids no. going away and you don't see them anymore, so yeah. that's kind of difficult part, but uh, yeah, once I started doing it, when they saw me on TV more often, yeah. they felt more proud, like now they're not worried about that anymore, they're just very happy to, you know, see myself on TV, so that's I'm just great. very great to have that. It's one thing, isn't it, knowing that your grandson or your son or, or any family member is doing something dangerous, but when they're doing something dangerous on the other side of the world, yeah. it's completely different, <laughs> yeah, isn't exactly. it, so added stress. Yeah. yeah. And was it What's it like actually achieving your dream? Is it as, has it lived up to your expectation? Is it as exciting as you thought? Is it, do you love it as much? It was very emotional that day when I know yeah. the dream will come true. Obviously I know before everyone knows. 
Yeah. And, uh, How did you keep that secret? Because I wouldn't be able to keep that secret. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's tough. Obviously, you have like all your very close friends or so you your family members. <laughs> Obviously, my mum, dad knows, but like mm -hmm. we have to keep it secret until mm -hmm. the official announcement. Yeah. But yeah, that day were I actually got a phone call saying it's confirmed. So that was pretty. Wow. Uh, attacking <laughs> so yeah I was very emotional I was kind of speech speechless because yeah but then obviously coming to F1 don't know what's going to face behind because mm. I always said I want to be here to be not just represent the first Chinese driver to be also fighting against the best driver in the world and fighting with all in the points so yeah that's kind of uh, I feel like I'm more settled now after you know round 10 now so I feel like uh, a lot more settled in, in F1 and really enjoy it obviously it's, it's a tough hard harsh sports because mm. you have to perform mm. every weekend because weekend you only have maybe two two days three days to celebrate your good results yeah. and then you go to next race and if you do what do bad then you're in kind of downside so you have to be recovering get back to the top so yeah this sport is pretty tough but it's quite intense but i'm enjoying you know grand prix is always special to be yeah. so you say that as the season has gone on it's got easier. Has the nerves reduced or is it still the same amount of nerves at the uh, beginning of every it's race? It's been huge relieved uh, reduced because like the first three race, uh, my first race in Bahrain, I don't know why FP1 was, actually, uh, well, I know why like FP1 was quite nervous, but then FP2 was even more nervous and gets yeah. worse rather weak. <laughs> yeah. Because like FP1, I did one last year. So you know kind of what's going to happen. And FP2 is like, ah, this is my first FP2 in F1 and you go to the other state because in testing you don't feel that nervous mm. but when you go to the weekend you yeah. see the atmosphere the fans and then it's kind of getting into that zone and then you feel really nervous because you don't know what's coming what you're going to face and uh, yeah like I think from maybe round four uh, around yeah Miami area I start to be much more like uh, relaxed yeah. and uh, because you know what's what you can do and what's the potential mm. you, you can achieve so yeah, like feel not, like now I'm quite relaxed before the session, but yeah. Great. You mentioned getting in the zone. Is it true you to get into the zone? You listen to Chinese rap music. It is true. I don't know why you have so much information <laughs> about me, <laughs> but I told you it's Rachel on her research. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it is true. I have yeah. I listen to mainly rap. Why? How come? Uh, what does it just it, psych you rap up? music is like uh, very motivated because like yeah. you know the remix on the background is quite motivated and also. The word people are saying that rap, you know, you can you can write a whole story of either yourself or some other stuff. You can do quite a lot of like mm. real life talking. So I just really enjoy this part. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's obviously yeah. I'm not the best singer, but I'm not a bad rapper. So that's probably why I like maybe listen to that. I also can learn something myself to be yeah. better with. But yeah, I enjoy listening to that, and uh, it keep me motivated. Keep me like. Mm. Yeah, energy high, so. And is music, so I guess it's very similar, I guess, to mm -hmm. Lewis Hamilton, is music something maybe in the future you want to get into? I don't see my future in music, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, but uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I, I can see myself maybe one time getting involved with and, you know, famous, I don't know, rappers, and then we do a song. Mm -hmm. I have my little short clip that me singing rap, but it's, it's possible, but yeah. Amazing. But on music, I'm probably more into designing fashion Oh, really? outfits, oh, nice. so it's probably more my thing. That's, that's the long-term plan then, perhaps. That's something I'm, I want to do in the future, but never know when. That's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Now, a bit of a strange question I have for you is that um, I understand that Valtteri, your teammate, has previously given a photograph of himself, a printed canvas of himself, <laughs> naked, yep. in a river, to Lewis Hamilton, his old teammate. I was just wondering, have you had one yet? No, I, I'm not keen on having one, to be honest. <laughs> I'll be running out. I don't know where to put them because I feel bad just to leave it in the storage, but then I feel even worse to put it on my living room. Better. It's a bit so, weird. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. It might be worth thinking, but just in case he does give you one at some point, maybe plan a little shed or something somewhere out of a, a yeah. garage somewhere where nobody will see it. I never did naked in my life, but I don't know how he does this so natural and post it on social media. So it's pretty impressive it? confidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually but hilarious. Um, and, you know, being part of the F1 grid, you've mentioned before that, you know, one of your heroes is uh, Fernando Alonso. What is that like racing on the F1 grid with Alonso? Yeah, it's, uh, it's very special moment because, mm. like, with Fernando, I don't just 
graced him for the first time, like actually being able to walk in with him last year as well. So, yeah, firstly, I got spending time with him. It was already a huge honor to be walking with your like uh, childhood mm. idol in racing. Mm. But then to be racing with him, competing, and one of our main competitors this year for the, that midfield battle. And uh, yeah, it's it's different. Like uh, yeah, the first few races when you hear it on the radio, like like Bahrain, I remember I was P11 with four laps to go, and mm. there was like you're racing Fernando for the last point. And I was going for it. I wanted wow. to finish in the point. So that's pretty crazy yeah. when you think about that. But yeah, it's now I feel like quite normal. But yeah, like good. the first ever time on track in P1, FP1, it was. It was just a special feeling. It's difficult to explain because, like, you heard these guys' name, not just Fernando. You know, Hamilton, all these guys. That's mm-hmm. always uh, it's the the names you are looking up to since a very young kid. So it's yeah. like you're on the same group. Just pretty. Yeah. So now we have to mention the fact that you're racing for Alfa Romeo. Tell me about that. What's what are the team like to work with? Yeah, it's very good. Obviously, I think Alfa is one of the perfect team to starting. You know your journey with because they know how to work with younger drivers you know you see many great drivers coming from this team in the past years and uh, yeah working with fred working with the engineers my engineers very experienced with that and uh, yeah i feel like uh, you know they know how the way to explore the maximum for young drivers or communication with the drivers mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it really just helped me to have more confidence every time out and uh, it's been very good obviously spending so many so much time before the season mm. i think that was i was basically living in in will the factory the yeah. whole christmas time or before christmas yeah it was pretty tough but at the time but i knew that will benefit this year so mm. it seems to be working much well than we all expected which you know get me a much nicer window of enjoying the atmosphere the team and nice. uh, yeah the atmosphere has been a big uh, how do you say a pumped up compared to the recent years because well, you know, every race you can fight for the points finish. Mm. Everybody mm. back factory here on track. I'm so motivated. Yeah. Yeah. And you've mentioned, um, you know, someone like Alonso, Hamilton, like sports people that you admire. Who else you might? Because I know with Kobe Bryant, he's someone yeah. whose mentality. That's that... kind of my sports hero. Yeah. He's a hero. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kobe obviously is the reason I chose number four, uh, 24, so oh, really? cut that. Ah. <laughs> I don't know why I say four, but <laughs> 20 was in my, yeah. I so yeah, 24 was basically the number I, I picked. That was because kind of him, because yeah, yeah I feel, I look at my numbers, obviously I have my own famous uh, famous or favorite numbers. So yeah. I've been using cutting days, but it's all been taken. So uh-huh. I said, okay, there's all the other numbers, then maybe a number means something to me. So he was the, he was the kind of the sports guy, or, Legend that so we all been following since the kids. Mm. So that was the way I think to keep his mentality into racing and the two. Because mm. I see the number, I feel the energy. Because mm. people are thinking, you know, four is a quite unlucky number for for us mm. in China. Yeah. But it means, but yeah, I just see the number with that energy, so it gets me, you know, in a good mood, and uh, that's how it goes. That's amazing. And do you think there is any? Are you superstitious? Do you think of the world like that? Or do you think it's all about whatever's happening in your mind? If it makes you feel more confident, yeah. it'll make you perform better. I think it's more in yourself, right? Because you can be following, you know, what's the normal, regu- regular stuff. But uh, if it's not working on you, not just a number, your life in general. Yeah. I mean, some drivers, you know, like to have a very harsh or hard engineer. Some drivers mm-hmm. like to have a very chill engineer, keep it calm. So it's like whatever works for you better and you just have to go with it and uh, you feel comfortable in your good zone and uh, you will just perform much better. Awesome. What's been your favourite race so far? Long show. <laughs> <laughs> just finished. Hopefully Silverstone and then Austria and then keep going. Yeah. But yeah, uh, <laughs> and on and it's, on. Uh, it was great because it was quite a lot of frustration before the, yeah. the weekends because before Montreal we had four race three DNF due to issue with the cooling system. So and then two of them, we was kind of guaranteeing points finish if we get to the finish line. So I was quite frustrated because, you know, once a quite young driver, after a nice debut finishing the points, then you have other two races, P11, P11. And then you have these races, you can get, get something much better. Mm. And uh, yeah, something you, you're out of control with, it's kind of uh, can put you down. But yeah, from my side, I was, I knew it was like something I need to face, but I was lucky maybe unlucky to have it so early of the season 
because that's where maybe I would, would want to show my full potential. Mm. But at least you know everyone in the paddock they knows what's the speed pace like. So yeah. Mong Chou was finally a perfect weekend inverted all these like unlucky moments. So mm. yeah, it was a good switch round after mm. three months between from round one and round nine. Great. And in your free time away from the circuit. Do you get the opportunity to enjoy driving? Do you enjoy driving on the road? Mm -hmm. Alfa Romeo obviously have a collection of lovely cars that you, yeah. you have access to. Do you, do you enjoy taking them out for a drive? Yeah, I do love to drive on the road. Maybe not on London city road, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I find that it's honestly, you might as well just walk. Yeah. It's quicker. <laughs> it's yeah, true. It's much quicker. But yeah, it's, uh, honestly, it's, I love driving. Yeah. Of course, if I get opportunity to drive, I will take the driving seat, not the passenger seat. But uh, yeah. It's been great, obviously, myself trying different models mm. in road, also on track. Yeah. So it's to, to figure out what's best for me and what I like the most. And yeah, I have my, actually got my, my, my new car delivered yesterday. Oh, what and have you got? A, a 2022 Julia Quattrofolio. Nice. But in green. It's such it's a good color, isn't green it? One. Yeah. Like, I really want a green car. But you don't see that often in UK, especially. It's more yeah. like red and blue, right? Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very a, nice. It's a good spec. I'm a big fan of dark green cars, so I'm yeah. extra credit to you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had any conversations yet with any of the engineers at Alfa Romeo? Has anyone tried to get any insights or perhaps uh, give your opinion on the way something handles or develops? Yeah, for the I future? mean, it's pretty clear. Obviously, as a team, we are very open to the drivers and uh, we know already when we're going to have the next for example, upgrade package. Yeah. One is the next big race for us where we, you know, going to be having some new stuff fitting the car. So for me, you know, as a team driver, also, you know, inside team as a member of the team. Yeah, I feel like uh, you need every single tiny information as possible. That's why we're like two drivers, like me, I have maybe, I don't know, eight engineers just walking for one side. Wow. And uh, yeah, maybe 20, 30, 40 together in the factory all the way here, just for two drivers, which yeah. sounds a bit crazy. But uh, yeah, that's how Formula One is, is a team mm. spirit. So yeah, it's great to obviously having a lot of people, especially for me as a rookie. Mm. I think I had so much information I have to digest because uh, everything is so new for me. So yeah. yeah. One thing actually I just want to ask, um, there's a lot going on at the moment in motorsport yep. um, to do with, you know, prejudices um have i know you said when you first started out you were you know you were on the brunt of some prejudice have you noticed a difference between yeah. then and now in motorsport yeah exactly i mean i don't think it's just motorsports i think it's the Sport. world yeah, well, yeah. going up right in general the direction but obviously yeah obviously lewis was trying that person can yeah. try and help formula one yeah. in a right way and also for the young generation but yeah for myself i really understand it or feel mm. the pain maybe some drivers feel or doesn't feel yeah because yeah for myself obviously when i first signed the contract obviously there's different voice going through yeah whatever platform but yeah for myself i feel like i was capable of and uh, obviously when you have voice going through the worst thing you do is put yourself down mm. and uh, thinking you you're going to be like the way they said it yeah, yeah. for me like coming from Obviously, to be the like the closest driver to get to Formula One, I always had quite a lot of pressure. So to deal in that, I kind of find a way to do it in the the most mature way, and yeah. uh, obviously to do it a track on track to mm. show the, show yourself. So yeah, I really noticed the huge difference change. Like I have yeah. a lot of people messaging me said even sorry, which is like really oh, wow. you know when people want they don't like you, they don't normally sure. Be, they keep yeah. it, doesn't like it for the rest of their life. So yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of nice to have that way because uh, obviously from my side it's a bit difficult. Like uh, during last year's period because I really want to have the first Grand Prix because I want yeah. to show myself. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's uh, obviously right now it's 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 so much positives on Good. over the world. So I'm just so happy I was able finally to show what I got and. Uh, that's great. Well, that's a credit to you, I think, Joe, mm -hmm. because there will be people there that obviously have identified with your personality they've yeah. recognized you as an individual and if anyone's felt compelled to say you know what i was wrong and i'm sorry yeah. i think that's a mm. that's such a powerful thing and i think you're exactly right i think that's unusual it's yeah. not that's not the normal yeah, so the exactly. fact that you've been able to pull that out of people is is quite incredible yeah. so yeah. I, I hope you take that on because i think it's, it's clearly a special yeah. trait i of mean that happened quite early like even after barring it was happening and it was happening yeah. more and more for all the years so for me it was nice to have that you know yeah, yeah. 
you have people to be having their honest opinion based on when they look yourself, not rather than just mm. what they think and uh, regarding to, you know, other even nationality or things yeah. like that. So I guess that's not the way we should provide motorsports or any sports forward. But yeah, I mean, yeah, in general, I'm just super happy that I was able to turn things mm -hmm. around reasonably quick. And what's the reaction been like from your fans back home in China? Have you had lots of <coughs> excitement and encouragement from young people in China? Yeah, I mean, from in general, everywhere back home has been, they are exciting to watch the race, mm. watching the Grand Prix every time. And uh, yeah, especially quite long young generations, maybe young mm. drivers just start karting. They're sending me grits, you know, to wish me luck and saying oh. that they're doing racing there hopefully one day like me so it's so because I'm still young right so I yeah. this day, so still <laughs> yeah, young, you're still young. And, uh, <laughs> and you have younger people like them and to, doing that so it's nice to have kind of be that guy led the motorsport back home so yeah hopefully that keep scoring or doing well and then yeah, yeah having more people that's uh, involved or interest in our sports fantastic yeah I think that's amazing yeah, yeah. it is it really is so how much downtime do you get between races? No, you, you said that you're often, you finish a race, it's straight on to the next yeah. one, a little bit of reflection. Do you have any downtime? And if so, what do you do in that time? Well, I do have a few times off. Obviously, normally the first thing you do is go into the gym. Maybe yeah. For an hour or two, <laughs> just to even recover all that. I don't know why we, we, I keep having to recover. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's good for your body. And uh, the rest of the thing, I, I do quite a bit, obviously, playing games with friends. Mm -hmm or going out just to have a look fashion stuff. And uh, London is a nice city to yeah. just go out to yeah. see cool stuff. Yeah, That's kind of the thing I do. And uh, obviously I think if you do the search, you know I'm uh, kind of uh, so into karaoke. I'm not doing it really in, in, in UK because I don't have that much chances but uh, back home when I go back for holiday I'm like so into it and uh, so you like singing so I like, like singing music but is. you have to be know yourself what level you're at <laughs> yeah, like it's true yeah what due to you got there's no potential but <laughs> it's not too bad so. so something I like to do sometimes when I drive on track days or I ride motorbikes as well and when I've got my helmet on is I sometimes without realizing it I'll find myself singing in the helmet yeah. do you ever do this on the racetrack and then realize the radio is still connected to the pit lane. No, oh. I don't say that. <laughs> that's just me just then. Just you, babe, that's just you. But... <laughs> Rocky mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Stay well, with the radio. Yeah. But yeah, uh, no, I, I obviously, no. I think where we are, obviously I don't think about singing. No. I'm, I'm thinking about other stuff. Yeah, it's pretty, slightly more important. Yeah, intense, so yeah. Incredible. Well, it's been so fantastic talking to you, Jay. Thank you so much Thank for you. coming to say hi to us. Um, we'll wrap this up here, and I think we're going to play some little reaction games, yep. if that's okay with yeah, you. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, yeah, we hope to see how you get on. It's amazing to see your career mm. now flourishing right at the beginning, as far as I'm concerned. And I yeah. think the future is so bright and exciting for you. So we're both so excited to see how you get Thank on. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.